this is Ed Stetzer Live, and this and every Saturday we come to you with, I think, fascinating, hopeful, helpful conversations about how we might engage in Jesus' mission in the world and more. We're thankful those of you who listen over 250 outlets across the country. We're thankful for those who uh, take the time on Saturday. Many of you also subscribe via podcast. Or some of you are listening to this on Wednesday, for example. So I always encourage you to do that because, uh, you know, Saturday is not for most of us like a rhythm where we're driving home at 4 o'clock on Tuesdays. Um, so you know, subscribe to the podcast. Go to edstetzerlive.com. And you'll be able to, uh, to subscribe there, and actually to all the Moody Radio programs as well. We're on Moody Radio, our partners, affiliates, uh, all across the country as well. And, of course, people listen online also. Today we have the most most guests we've ever had, including a super special guest. Well, all our guests are kind of super special, but, but one of our guests actually is part of our team, and she's changing sides of the microphone. So let me tell you who we got today, and I'll get to her right at the end because I'm going to throw her our first question. So we got three guests, Jason Cox, uh, Tina Bruner, and Karen Hendren. Jason joined Send Relief as vice president uh, the, of International Ministries in January 2021. He served 18 years overseas with the International Mission Board. He worked closely, works closely with missionary teams and their partners around the world to engage in compassion ministry through relief and development in ways that support the work of evangelism and church planning. Also, Tina Bruner is here. She's executive director of Global Christian Connection. She's currently residing in Poland, where she's working with churches there to help Ukrainian refugees fleeing the war in their homeland, which is actually where we're headed. So stay with us. Karen Hendren is producer of Ed Stetzer Live and also Living by Faith, actually, which debuted uh, this morning on Moody Radio uh, with Trillian Newbell, friend of many of ours. Uh, Karen's worked at Moody Radio since 2014 on a variety of programs. She's also an Emmy-winning winning journalist who's worked with the AP, Reuters, 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 CNN, Fox, and News Nation. She has a bachelor's degree from Loyola and a master's of science in journalism from Northwestern. She has two sons, and they live in the Chicago suburbs, and she is just, in general, pretty awesome. So Karen, actually, we were talking, and we are talking about programs, and Karen had just returned from uh, Poland on a mission trip, and we wanted to kind of talk about what it would look like to have some conversations, because all of us, I mean, if you're, if you turn on the television, if you listen to radio or you're on social media, you are aware that there's a significant war, the biggest war in Europe in our lifetime since, and since World War II, uh, that has displaced thousands upon thousands of refugees, a refugee crisis in, in, uh, in Europe that's unlike anything we've seen since the Syrian refugee crisis, which, which moved its way into Europe. But, but here, this has just caught everyone's attention. This is actually my first day as the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, and we have an extension in Kiev. And so we're hearing from our students and our faculty there uh, about the challenges that are there and more. So Karen came back. We said, let's do a program on this. And then I wanted to invite Jason from the International Mission Board. That's related to my denominational family. And then Tina, who, who Karen connected with uh, there as well. So Karen, let's start with you and tell us a little bit about uh, what you saw. And obviously, this put a burden on your heart. So tell us a little bit about it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it it sure did. Um, when I first heard about the possibility of the trip, it was a no-brainer. I'm 100% Polish. I have family there. So I was very excited to go. And like you mentioned, I'm a journalist. So being there, um, it it was uh, just very powerful for me. It was heartbreaking and inspiring and just a lot of uh, emotions being there. Um, 
I'll tell you a, a sort of a brief story. Uh, every uh, every other night, there there were uh, trains taking people. We were mostly in this town, Shemish, and it's a border town on the uh, Ukraine-Poland border. It's about nine miles from the border of Ukraine. And it's a town of like maybe 60,000 people, and they've had millions of people walk through this town from Ukraine, flee into this town, and the people there have taken, uh, the Polish people there have just opened their arms and taken care of them while they're there and helped send, I mean, they can't obviously keep them there forever, so they would stay there for a couple days and then they would go somewhere else throughout Europe. And while I was there, there were these free trains from Hanover, Germany. So people, every other night, they could get on a train to Germany. And we were there to kind of help people get on trains. Uh, There was this uh, system where you wore a bracelet and if you got the bracelet, if you got there early enough, you sign up for a bracelet based on how many seats they had. But um, I'm not really kind of a heavy kind of person. I'm not really, you know, rough and tumble or anything. <laughs> and so uh, – but somehow I was tasked with being kind of the heavy and standing on the platform every night that we were there, at least part of the time keeping the people that didn't get the bracelet from getting on. Like they just have to wait and see if there was extra uh, seats available that, you know, they could squeeze a few more people on. And I've got a story of joy and heartbreak, and I will keep it short. But uh, I was with one woman, and she was waiting, and she was probably in her 40s. And she kept looking at me, and we couldn't talk to each other. But, you know, we were doing like charades. And – and they had room for her. And she gave me this huge hug, and she gets on the train. And, and later uh, that night, I'm looking to see who was on the train because I wanted to wave. And I saw her, and she's, like, hugging her body to hug me through the train window. And all of a sudden, I see her running to get off the train. And I'm thinking, wait, don't get off, you know. Right. And she had uh, wanted to give me a candy bar. You know, as a thank you, and I that, and she was hugging me, and I, I told her to keep the candy bar. It was a fifteen-hour ride. So, <laughs> but, um, and then on the the flip side, so there was such joy, and uh, it, you know, it was joyful. On the flip side, a couple nights later, I was with a whole family. There were nine people, six kids and three adults. They asked the the parents asked uh, me and another team member, Rhonda, do you think we can get on? And I said, well, you know, we said, you can try, but we don't know. And uh, it was snowing. The grandmother was with them. She was a slip of a woman. She was holding this baby who was like, looked like it was like 30 pounds. There were little kids, six years old, five years old. One little boy had no coat. And they waited two hours, and they were told there was room, and then some other people who were late got to the train, and there was room for everyone but them. And the heartbreak, you know, we knew they'd get on the train two days later, but um, they didn't get on that night, and they turned to go see where they could stay, and Rhonda and I turned, and we cried. You know, just it was very – the whole experience was just so moving. So, mm. 
powerful story and still obviously moving for you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think people don't necessarily, I mean, we're so distant. And so you got up close. And really today we're talking to three people, one on a mission trip, one there serving on an ongoing basis, and one helping to coordinate global work. Because there's a place for all of us, um, all of us in that as as well. You want to finish anything about that, Karen? Uh, no, just I, just well, one other thing. Every single person that we talked to who had volunteered or were working since the beginning of the crisis, one thing I noticed, they all asked, you know, please bear witness. You know, we mm-hmm. heard this in World War II. They wanted the story told. And they also, every single person choked up at mm-hmm. so, who had been serving and um, – they all had like a moment where they broke down, and as a journalist, that um, affected me. I, I because people don't often, you know, it's just a job or whatever. But this, it, I realized how much this is affecting all the people in Ukraine, obviously, but this is affecting all the people who are helping as well, because they're giving up on their lives to help other people, and there's just such an opportunity to to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the middle of all of this. Love it and thankful that's exactly what you did on. And you know, just so those of you know, Karen and I work together every week. She helps do an amazing job putting together this program with the rest of our team, Courtney and, and different folks who are manning the phones uh, on our team. Um, now, you were there, Karen, and you worked with and, and uh, connected with people working there on the ground. And that's going to lead us to Tina, and we're going to find out a little bit about Tina's story. Tina, I already introduced you, but um, what in the world are you doing in Poland? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know, I work with an organization called Global Christian Connection, and our primary focus is to try to create opportunities to demonstrate unity in the restoration movement. So Christian Church, Church of Christ, Disciples of Christ. And we had a conference planned for Poland um, last year. And so I was in Poland when the war started. And through my work with Southeast Christian Church and other uh, things, I had friends and partners in Poland. And so it just became a natural thing of, okay, this has happened and what can we do? And the unique thing is that there were other churches that were coming uh, to see, like, how could they help from the U.S.? And then because Global Christian Connection is an international organization, we had, you know, Christian churches, Church of Christ from Japan, from Philippines, from Kenya, also saying, what can we do? And so it turned into, okay, we... We understand the prayer that Jesus had for unity among believers, but now there's a real way to demonstrate that. And so over the last year, we have um, lots of churches that have worked together, but we have a group of 10 that we just call the collective. And I'm happy to report that Mariners, where you are going to be a teaching pastor or are a teaching pastor, is part of our collective and what we're trying to do is figure out how we can do more together than we can do separate. And in a situation like what's happening in Ukraine and in Poland and um, the, the physical, emotional, spiritual devastation, really, that is going to be long term, 
uh, just really called me into, okay, this is a place that I can use the relationships I have, experience I have, things that I've learned by doing it wrong, you know, all of those things to try to help coordinate the work of the global church to serve in this particular moment for Poland and Ukraine. Fascinating, fascinating, and important work. We're going to continue our conversation. We're going to bring Jason in the conversation in just a moment as well, and hopefully bring you into the conversation. Our number, 877-548-3675. And you can call in, like, ask, what's it like? How can get engaged and involved? And more. Again, our number, 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation talking about relief and mission in Poland among Ukrainian refugees. We'll be back in this moment. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live, and we're going to join in with conversation with you. Your calls in just a minute as well. Our number is 877-548-3675. My name is Ed Stetzer. I'm the dean at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University and uh, having conversations today about, well, Poland, but really about the Ukrainian refugee crisis in Poland. We've talked to Karen Hendren, our producer, who's actually been there recently on a mission trip and really is the genesis, the idea of this program. Tina has been uh, there on the ground living in Poland now and connecting with churches in the U.S. through this collective. And I just found out that the church I'm going to is part of that collective as well. So that's great to know. Uh, Jason is uh, Jason Cox is, our, is, is, is also our guest. He's um, at Send Relief. And Send Relief, for those of you who don't know, is a joint compassion ministry between agencies in uh, well, my, my denomination, Jason's denomination, Southern Baptist Convention. And it's a joint partnership between the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board as well. Jason, you had made a trip to Poland earlier in 2022, just as things were kind of moving forward. And of course, now you coordinate globally. And it's important to note, I, I wanted to have somebody who had been there on a mission trip, because that's things that, that you can do and be a part of. Someone who's there on the ground coordinating churches being engaged and involved. Your church could be engaged and involved in that as well. By the way, links to all this are at edstetzerlive.com. And then Jason, who's coordinating global work like this. This is not just Ukraine for him, but globally. So Jason, talk to us a little about what you do, what you did, how it relates to Poland, and then in general, uh, how people can get engaged and involved. Sure. Uh, thanks, Ed. And, and actually, I want to start on the ground, too. I didn't go on a mission trip, but I was there uh, with Paul Chitwood, our president, yeah. um, in the days, I think five or six days after the invasion happened. Uh, we were on the ground in Poland. And I want to start there because really that what happened there, what we experienced there, really became sort of the dominant story of the crisis on a larger scale. And so we talk about coordinating a larger, uh, more global response. Uh, yes, I mean, we've, uh, Sin Relief is facilitated over 120 different projects uh, in 20 different countries among Ukrainians and Ukrainian refugees, but it really comes down to, the, at the ground level, the role of the local church uh, in supporting the local church throughout Eastern Europe and inside of Ukraine. So we hit, we hit the ground um, just a few days after the invasion happened, and you know it, uh, I think Karen was, was sharing a minute ago about that the, the contrasting, uh, the story of joy and the story of, of heartbreak and I had a very similar experience, um, and I would, I would very much, it was, it, was, it was a story of despair and then a story of hope. Uh, we went directly to the border just outside of Helm, Poland, on the, on the eastern border with Ukraine, and the buses were, were literally unloading with Ukrainian refugees as we were standing there crossing the border, 
And I just remember um, just being heartbroken because you, you're watching what were the vast majority are women and children and elderly uh, because the young men were and, and men were, and older men were, were required to stay and fight. So you have women getting off with their kids, grandmothers, um, older men with uh, a suitcase, whatever they could carry on their backs. And, you know, just having experienced the most traumatic thing of their lives, leaving behind not just their worldly belongings, but their family, their fathers, their brothers, their their sons, and getting off of that bus, some of them, some of them uh, knew what was happening uh, because they had people picking them up on the other side of the border, uh, but most of them didn't. And that look of despair, of days, of not knowing what is next and having it, it was just heartbreaking. It really was just heartbreaking. But then contrast that with um, literally just a few moments later, we arrived at Helm Baptist Church uh, and to visit with Pastor Henrik there. And we walked into the church and it was just uh, bustling with activity. You, he walked us straight into the sanctuary and where there used to be, you could imagine any church in the U.S., any denomination, you just imagine a church. Imagine every pew, every chair, or every piece of furniture that had been taken out and replaced with cots and bedding. Uh, and it was full of cots. At that time, it was hosting up to 120, I think, refugees a night. Over the first four months of the, of the, the crisis, this single church hosted, I think, uh, over 5,000 Ukrainian refugees. And this had been going on. I mean, we're, we're just, we're there. We think we're there quick, but this church had sprung into action just immediately. And they were, they were cooking hot meals in the basement. The walls, the, the, the hallways were full of racks of clothing. There were toys for children. Uh, and they were just meeting the loving Ukrainian refugees and had stopped everything that they were doing mm. to serve Ukrainian refugees. It was, it was all inspiring. And this is one story, and a lot came out of this church, but this happened many, 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 many times over. Um, a church in Gdansk I heard about that, um, I mean, just they decided they wanted to host refugees. And, I mean, one church member who had recently moved into a new house, they let them stay. He let them stay in his old home. Uh, the Polish Baptist Union, they opened up up to 40 different refugee centers all over the country. So this this has been the story of the crisis, what we have been doing through all of our projects, is really coming alongside. And uh, almost exclusively, not because we want to be exclusively Baptist, but because we've had so many Baptist churches to work with throughout Eastern Europe and inside of Ukraine. But helping them be the hands and feet of Jesus in this crisis, helping them step in as they're already taking initiative, as we as we saw at the church in Helm, um, and coming alongside to say, how can we serve you uh, as you are extending the compassion of Jesus to Ukrainian refugees in this time? Yeah, fascinating. And it was actually from, I think I was texting with Paul Chitwood, who he mentioned earlier as the president of the International Mission Board. And I, I, I said, who can I talk to? And he suggested you because of some of those connections as well. And when we think about the numbers, it's actually sometimes hard to see exactly how many. There's literally millions have um, crossed the Polish border. One study said that uh, over 10 million have crossed the border. Not 10 million are still there. But for example, um, at my church, we're you know gathering furniture to help resettle Ukrainian refugees. Uh, we happen to be the western suburbs of Chicago have a particular uh, a higher number already of Ukrainian and Russian uh, people who have who've immigrated here. And so it's a natural connection point. We actually have services. Our services are translated uh, into Russian, which is what the, most of the Ukrainian families in our uh, church speak. And so, so, again, churches are getting engaged kind of all around the country, too. And by the way, I'd love to hear some of the stories 
about way churches are engaging as well. And if you have questions, maybe you have a story, an example of being involved in refugee ministry, something Christians have really been engaged in for a long time. Um, it's eight. Our number is 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Karen, we were talking uh, early in this conversation about, um, you know, you're 100% Polish, and um you mentioned that, um, you know, the, in, in America, sometimes Polish people can, there's often a joke associated and involved, and, and, uh, and people don't often realize that the history of Poland is such a, uh, a powerful history. Matter of fact, at one point, maybe 500, 1500s or so, is the most powerful nation in Europe and more, and, and a proud people who, who really have stepped up in this crisis. Um, so you mentioned a little bit just how that felt, kind of seeing some of that during the Ukrainian refugee crisis. Talk a little bit more about that, what you saw, how the Polish people are responding, and the Polish Christians in, in particular. Okay. Um, I rem- uh, At the train station, they, you know, it's a, it's a train station, so yeah. there are various seating areas. But in the back, there is a room for women and children because uh, – as uh, Jason said, that's basically who's mostly fleeing. And um, there is this woman there. I think her name is Beata. Uh, But she she was probably about 60 and she had like bright pink hair and very (laughs) spunky woman, you know. And she reminded me a lot. actually, Actually, she reminded me of people in my own family, you know, um, very hard worker. And she ran a tight ship. And um, I realized watching her uh, that this room that she was managing because mothers and their children, uh, it was all filled with cots and they could just kind of rest there until it was time for their train. Uh, And there were free food and people were serving them and all this. But I I realized that she was kind of no nonsense and – that this was like her home in a way, that this was not just a train station, but this was her serving these people, that she wanted it to be as nice as possible. She was, you know, handing us brooms and she was, she, she, we couldn't, she couldn't speak English. And I know a few words, but they're more like, give me a kiss. They're not (laughs) words. They're not, you know, regular regular speech. So she she was like pointing at things and she, I, she wanted me to, you know, open up the bedding. And then at some point she wanted me to make these cuts. And, you know, that was fine. And I realized this was her way of being gracious and merciful to all these people that were coming in, that, that there was a sense of pride about this, that this was going to be a clean room. This was going to be as welcoming as you could make it. And then she spoke to us and uh, she spoke to us through an interpreter, and she was one of the women who was like all fiery and tough, but she broke down, and she had tears in her eyes as she told us about the children that would walk in, some of them who had now needed diapers because they were so traumatized, some of them who came in with pockmarked faces from shrapnel of mm. of glass breaking and who'd been hiding under, uh, you know, in basements. Uh, waiting for a safe time to come and escape. So, uh, yeah, they. it made me very proud. And then walking around Poland I, to see how beautiful it was, I, I, I got this moment where I was like, all those people that made jokes when I was a kid, 
the joke was on them. Mm. <laughs> you know, you had this beautiful country with these people that were very proud and hardworking and really would give anything, you know, to help you out. And I, I've never been prouder of my heritage, actually. And that was very moving for me. Love it. Love it. For us, we, Donna and I, were actually there on a trip with the International Mission Board partner to help, you know, connect churches and missions in uh, in Poland, in Krakow, but this was years ago. And what an amazing, just amazing city with an amazing people, part of an amazing country. And I think people sometimes uh, uh, forget just the significance of a people's heritage and the courage that comes from that. And I think we've seen that uh, among the Polish people now and other times as well. We've got about a, a minute before we need to take a, a little bit of a pause, but I, I want to talk just a little bit about how you're engaging churches, Tina. You mentioned that even the church I'm going to and others and Southeast Christian where you're connected to, and I think you're connected with Saddleback today. Um, what are some ways, in about a minute, what are some ways that churches can get engaged involved? Remembering that all the links are at edstetzerlive.com, but tell us. Yeah, um, we definitely need prayer support. We need uh, people that are willing to use whatever gift and resources they have to engage. This is a long-term uh, situation. This is not a hurricane that is going to be rebuilt in two years. This is an ongoing problem. And uh, so really, I mean, churches that want to send interns that live life on life with people. There's so many opportunities uh, that churches um, can can use this to, to further their mission understanding in their community and in the world. Love it. Okay, go to edstepslive.com. We've got links for International Mission Board. we got links for Global Christian Connection and more ways you get involved. And again, join us in the conversation. Maybe what you're doing in church with refugees or more, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Setzer Live, continuing our conversation, talking some about the Ukrainian refugee crisis, particularly in Poland, though I'm going to go back to Jason in a minute and talk about what that looks like globally. But I want to come back to, to for, for just a bit more from Tina. Tina Bruner is the executive director of Global Christian Connection. Uh, she's been residing in Poland in, I hope I say the name of the city right. If not, she will correct me in just a moment there in Chemish. And there's some ways that you're helping churches there and helping uh, churches here in, in in America and helping Christians at there and related to the city. Talk some what that looks like and what's I mean, there's some gospel opportunity for gospel ministry there. Tina, tell us about that. Yeah, I think that in um, we can see that in our communities in the U.S. and ways that we um, exercise our faith in trying to make positive change where we live. Well, in a city like Shemesh, Krakow all over Warsaw, they're dealing with problems that are huge. And so the the church is uh, e equipped with people who have, like, skills, um, ways to help solve problems. And so if our churches in Poland, in the U.S., are looking for ways to serve communities in a development-type way— um, we've been able to, to meet with the president and the, basically the mayor and vice mayor in Shemesh. And as we built that relationship, they've said, okay, we're trying to solve this problem. And so we 
could look to Mariners or we could look to Parkview in Chicago and say, does anybody in your community have this kind of city planning thing that can help build this scaled immediate help, midterm help, long-term help, uh, skills planning, language learning, whatever. And we bring the church into the life of the community with the faith that we have, but also the the business skills or mm. the educational skills or the relational capacity that we have. Um, you know, trauma-informed care is something that the Polish church is not equipped to be able to to add to what's really most needed. So it's kind of seeing ourselves not as the church serving everything we can serve, but the church engaging with business leaders, city officials, um, first responders, and being part of that community and bringing the, the beauty of the hope of Christ and the beauty of the church into a, a group of people that, that also want to serve where we can be salt and light and also care for widows and orphans and all those things that are the mandate of the church. I think to see more holistically our role in the community and then when people come like Karen and they see something and they come back and they can share about it in the U.S. or wherever they live, then hopefully we've learned something from those hosts communities in Poland and Ukraine, and we can better serve refugees in our own neighborhood. Mm. It's like that. seeing that in a more holistic way. Yeah, and I love I love that, you know, even Karen coming back as a journalist, now we're helping to tell that story, tell your story, tell the story of people there in Shemesh and there in Poland and, you know, Ukrainian refugees around the world. And I love the connection to, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. Uh, I just came back uh, last week, I was in Amsterdam with 6,000 amazing Pentecostals talking about finishing the task of the Great Commission. And one of the things they, uh, someone quoted there was, uh, there's, it's an Abraham Kuyper quote, there's not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. And so even engaging in things like making the city a better place is part of mm -hmm. that as well. Let me again invite you to call with questions, comments, maybe ways you're serving, uh, your church is engaged in this refugee crisis, 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Uh, I think it's still correct, Jason. I used to work years ago at the North American Mission Board, which before it merged together and became Send Relief, which you serve there, uh, we were the third largest disaster relief agency in the U.S. behind the Red Cross and I think the Salvation Army. And, um, you know, we see these this work around hurricanes, the yellow hats, all this sort of stuff around hurricane relief and more. And you're a mm. part of all of that at Send Relief. But this is a kind of a multifaceted crisis that in some ways, like before the Syrian refugee crisis, which was the largest refugee crisis of our lifetime, um, mm. is, is what does that look like for churches to be engaged and involved long term, reminding everybody that they can go to edstetzerlive.com and get directly connected with Send Relief and learn more. But what are some, kind of help us to think about this over, not weeks, it's not weeks, it's not months, it's been more than a year. What does that look like? Yeah, great. Uh, it's a great point. And so Southern Baptist Disaster Relief, so those are the, the, the gold hats, they prefer gold, not yellow. 
uh, and shirts that you see walking around after and they look yellow to me, around. man. They look do, yellow to me. Bro. Doing it well, do, okay. <laughs> you can take that up with them, but they're the ones that they're going into it, right? You know, they're they're the ones yeah. with the chainsaw and yep. uh, they're on top of the roofs putting on tarps after hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and stuff. And so, amazing, amazing folks. This primarily centered in the United States. We, however, on the international side, have started partnering more closely with Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. In fact, one of our first teams on the ground. Uh, in the uh, the arena from the Ukraine crisis was in Poland. It was a disaster assistance response team uh, from uh, a couple different states, um, North Carolina, I believe, and a couple others, um, who were there to help us do an initial assessment. And since then, we've had over um, uh, 220, 230 volunteers come from various states. And so, so getting uh, getting them all involved in the crisis, yeah. um, but also, uh, you know, longer term, we we have to look. At, and I mean, the church, churches in the states have—I have to say that have, have responded just with overwhelming generosity in this crisis. It's been—it's uh, just been—it's been incredible to see the level of generosity the, of giving, not just through Centerleaf but through other organizations. Because I know there's a lot more. Um, and so, uh, already participating through giving. Giving is really important. You can find out how to give on our website, centerleaf.org. But um, in terms of longer term, connecting uh, a giving and a going church in the states. With I go back to the local churches in in Ukraine and in Poland and in Moldova and Romania. There's going to be a lot of opportunities, not just during the crisis. There are there are limited inside of Ukraine right now uh, because of security and, and such. But there's going to be a lot of opportunities during the recovery, the rebuild period. And I think that there's a direct link with getting partners engaged during the crisis and keeping the partners engaged after the crisis and providing. Opportunities, but those connections are going to come. Uh, we can provide a connection through Sin Relief. The IMB is uh, another connection point. But with and, and again, we're supporting local churches in the crisis. Yeah. It's the local churches that are going to be there after the crisis. And so, uh, our work, our partnership, will continue to be with those churches. And we're we're working yeah. through through uh, Baptist Charitable Action, uh, the humanitarian arm of the Polish Baptist Union. We're working through uh, Ukrainian Baptist Union. And um, Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary with their We Care centers all over. They've established these We Care centers as a long-term strategy, not just as a disaster relief strategy. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities to come alongside them as they are embedding themselves in these community long-term, not just responding to the crisis, but recovering and being light within those communities longer term. Yeah, local local partners uh, are key. And again, don't don't at all feel the need to apologize that you're saying, well, we're working with Baptists and Tina saying I'm working with, you know, Christian churches and the restoration movement. We're we recognize as all kind of parts of the body of Christ at work here. And you don't have to be part of the restoration movement um, or Southern Baptist Convention to connect with what they're doing. Again, go to edstetzerlive.com. The information is listed there. But those, the key is, is in, in Poland, you know, those local churches are still going to be at work and doing work there and making a difference and partnering with them, empowering them long-term makes a different Karen, difference. Karen, I'm going to come back to you as, as, as well. You were surprised by some things on this trip as well. And I know you've done mission trips in the past. You know, mm-hmm. we've been enthusiastic about this and, you know, you, I, I know, I know when you're gone because the <laughs> show goes on, but not as good. <laughs> so, um, so what surprised you on the trip and what did, what did you see? What maybe, what impacted you while you were there as well? Oh, um, well, I, I talked about some of it, but, um, I'll tell another, like, yeah. real brief story. Um, I got to go to Krakow for, uh, like, 24 hours. And 
I met. Uh, Can I just say? I just want to interrupt. That's a crime. You cannot go to Krakow. <laughs> oh no! For I want to go hours. back. It's okay, it was good. so beautiful. Okay. It's an I was amazing. Like, See that downtown was... city square is oh, stunning. Oh my gosh! By the way. Oh my yeah. gosh! Sorry. But um, anyway, I got to go, and um, while I was there, I met this uh, pastor, Pastor Oleg, who or Oleg, who uh, was tortured for his faith. He's Ukrainian, but he was living in Krakow, and he told us that this group of us, his story, a little bit about his story, about um, uh, one of the pastors, we had a pastor with us who was on the team, and he uh, was wearing a a North Face, a black North Face jacket, and he pointed to it, and he said, my skin was as black as your jacket, uh, because he had been uh, beaten and so badly bruised because he was tortured for his faith during the uh, war, the Crimean War, Uh, and... um, but he had this church, and he ended up moving to Poland, and he was helping the Ukrainians there. And he had kind of two parts to his. So he had the church part, and he said he had, I, I think, about 75 people who Ukrainians who went to his church. and then, But it was growing. And then he had an outreach, and um, we went up to his, like, it was sort of like a little two-room apartment, you know, but it was uh, it was sort of where he met, and he did Bible studies, and he had all these outreach programs like cooking classes and all sorts of different things uh, to make people feel welcome and just to kind of introduce them to the church and all this. But in the basement, he had this kind of warehouse, and... Uh, he, we delivered a bunch of food. Actually, the town of Shemesh, they had extra food. So they said, uh, yeah, you, and this is sort of what Tina was talking about with the uh, working together because the, t- the town had become so comfortable with uh, the churches, that the church that was working there, that when the church went to the town and said, we've got this pastor in Krakow who needs food for the people there, they said, yeah, we have some extra food, take it. So we we took it and we dropped it off, but we filled this little warehouse and we asked him, well, how long will this, this should keep you going for a while? And he's like, no, it'll be done, gone in two days. You know, so, but for him, he said most of the people, they would be Ukrainian refugees who would come there, but they... Uh, most of them were not people of faith, but it was a way to care for them and also for the for the church to be f- there for them in case they got interested. You know, so it, it was um, – I mean, everything that I saw there was – I couldn't sleep at night. I'd, I'd go to sleep. I was exhausted. I'd wake up at 3 in the morning, and I'd have to, like, go into the bathroom because I didn't want to wake up my roommate and just, like, start writing all the stuff down. But wow. the whole experience was just so powerful, and I could go on and on about story after story. But um, I, it, anyway – that's all I got for right now. <laughs> That's good for right now. That's good for right now. So uh, so, so we're going to continue our conversation with our guests in just a moment. Again, one more segment for your calls. Uh, maybe you've got questions about how you can get engaged and involved. Maybe you've got examples of where you're engaged in Ukrainian refugee relief as well. People around the world are 877-548-3675 is our number. Again, 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation here at Ed Stetzer Live in just a moment. Hey, 
Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live, having a really helpful conversation about engaging in refugee relief. We're the Pacific example. Specific example kind of came from Karen Hendren, our producer, who was there on a mission trip. She's Polish and engaged and saw the Polish people standing up, standing out, standing in the gap, uh, showing and sharing the love of Jesus to Ukrainian refugees, connected there with Tina, who's our guest. Tina Bruner is Executive Director of Global Christian Connection, and uh, she's been living there, engaging uh, in this work, connecting with particularly churches in the Restoration Movement to connect with this as well. The Restoration Movement is often called the Stone Campbell Movement, so think of terms of Disciples of Christ, Independent Christian Churches of Christ. And then Jason Cox is with us, and Jason is with the Send Relief uh, he's as vice president of international ministries, and he's was serving with the international mission board. Jason, I want to come back to you. Um, partly, by, by the way, I did Google gold hat or yellow hat because I needed to know because I, I knew you were right. <laughs> but I, but when I was there, they obviously they definitely called it the yellow hats because I looked, and that's what we called it when I was there. But the wording has changed, and now it is the gold hats yeah. and the disaster relief people. And of course, yeah. send relief is more than disaster relief, but there does seem to be a process for churches to get engaged in this sort of compassion ministry. And it often goes in stages. I want you to take just a couple of minutes and tell us someone's maybe listening and, you know, we're on the, we're on K-Wave in Southern California and they're, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm at this First Alliance church and, and I want to get more involved with this. Now, again, we've got, you don't have to be part of a denomination to connect with Global Christian Connection or Send Relief. It's all listed at edstetzerlive.com. But Jason, I want you to talk about the process of churches learning how to be engaged. Maybe not specifics with the partners that here, but what does that look like, and how do churches get a passion and a vision for this? Yeah, so there's there's multiple ways you can you can get involved with um, with your state level Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. You can contact them, and they will provide opportunities for you to be trained. Uh, these are trained volunteers. I mean, operating. And, and let me just interrupt, Jason, for the rest, too, yeah. that one in 10 evangelicals in the United States is Southern Baptist. For the nine to 10 of you are not, most of your denominational district will also have a disaster relief person as well. So, so you can yes. connect there as well. Keep going. So through your, um, through your local church, uh, start there. Uh, but I mean, Central, Central, I'll speak from Central Relief perspective, because I know that other organizations like Sands Purse could do training as well. But Central Relief, we can provide uh, disaster relief training um, sphere standards uh, uh, for you know worldwide standards for disaster response. Um, more specific trainings uh, that that if you want. I was just talking with a young man at a, at a conference last week who wants to get involved and was giving him the various options for for that. But um, yeah, I mean there's there's very, but the pathway for that is when the crisis strikes, uh, you, you can contact Send Relief and and find out yeah. ways uh, to get to get involved, and we can find. Ways to to get you deployed and 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 serving in yeah. the because uh, I want to say to you, d- don't just show up. The unaffiliated volunteer challenge is significant. Don't just get on a plane to go to Krakow. Though you should go to Krakow, it's amazing. But yeah. don't just do that. But connect with something like Global Christian Connection. Connect with something like Send Relief as well. And when it comes to a crisis, let's say a shorter term crisis, we're talking about the refugee, which is an ongoing situation. But when it comes to a short term crisis, if a hurricane hits. You need to be trained and prepared, get your gold hat or whatever it may be in your denominational family beforehand. So you can actually, and can I just say this is a great place for people to get engaged and involved. And it's it's a real joy to serve others in the midst of some of these crises. Tina, I want to go to you because because you've actually, I mean, this is so such a passion for you. I, I was looking at your website and it still says you canceled your meeting in Poland. And then, of course, this became more of your focus as well. I imagine it's hard living there. 
And it's it's but it's also a joy living there. Tell us about some about what how the Lord's working in you and through you and what that means. Yeah, I um yeah, I'm super blessed. Um the network of people that God is bringing together for the short-term needs of the refugees, the long-term needs, the way that the that the U.S. Church is equipped in the way that we can look at strategy and we have access to resources that other countries don't have. Now, this collective of churches, we're not just looking at what can happen right now. And in our collective, we do have Restoration Movement churches, but we also have Wesleyan, Presbyterian, non-denominational. Um, but one of the questions that we're asking is when the war is over, or, or when it's possible to go in. And we have some churches in our collective that are serving with volunteers in Ukraine and some churches that are sponsoring Polish churches that have sister relationships with Ukrainian churches. So we can provide resources to help them like get their stuff in. So, but when this is over, there's going to be agricultural issues. There's going to be, rebuilding of families, not just infrastructure of electricity and things like that. The roles of people in the church have shifted because women are with their kids in Poland and in traditionally in Ukraine, the role of women has been different, but now they're leading in a different way because they're they're alone with their kids trying to be the church in the place where they've been transplanted. So when that all comes back together, what's that going to look like? So there's a lot of long-term things and the way that the spirit is moving and like the We Care Centers that Jason mentioned um, is a, an incredible example of the way the Baptists in Ukraine are finding ways to pull churches together to serve. And 17 is the last number I heard all through Ukraine. And we're looking at doing that in Warsaw or in Krakow. And so being able to look at models that other people use. And then the, the sweet thing is, is that the We Care Center model came from a relationship between the president of the Baptist Seminary and Willow Creek and their model. So the more that we work together and are less isolated and are more open-handed with how God has equipped us and taught us, then I think the kingdom of God is going to grow in a way that shows the world what is different about the church. Super, super helpful. Thanks so much for taking the time. Karen, 10 seconds. How can people get involved? What would you suggest? If you have a passion to help in this crisis, connect with your church, see the show notes, and serve. It's life-changing. Love it. Thanks, everyone, for listening as well. Thanks to my guests. Thanks for our team and the good work they do. Remember, you can listen to this program at the Moody Radio app. And of course, download it as a podcast. And Ed Stetcher Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening. Everyone.